All right, I'm the proud mother of two daughters. <laughs> and I could use that word pride again. They're mine, they're mine. That's like I said in my last episode about my son. It's it's really tough not to claim these people. Um, I know that they're not mine as in to control and to own and to put away in my keepsake box, but they are definitely put away in my keepsake box of my heart. I'll tell you that right now. And... Um, we chose each other in this soul pod. So I'm so just deliriously joyful um, about that fact that these two girls are my girls. And um, this is sort of part two, this episode, podcast episode, part two of rites of passage and the importance of rites of passage um, and, and providing those opportunities of tradition and of celebration Um with our all of our children and in particular I'm talking about our girls and um, the specific issues that they can encounter in our current Western society that relate to their bodies, their emotional selves, their hearts and also their power and what that might mean. And so um, I'm going to unpack that in the next few minutes here. And so I hope you enjoy this podcast and come along that journey with me and, and apply it perhaps to your girls and your thinking about how we steward or how we lead and how we mentor our daughters into their true and great power. Welcome to the Family Health Revolution Podcast with Coach Carla Atherton, where she discovers, uncovers, explores, and reveals the secrets to true family health and wellness. Okay, so... I'm going to do a part two, and it's probably not going to be as long as the part one. So part one, I was talking about rites of passage, our boys, violence, addiction, and gaming. And it sounds very stereotypically gendered, yet in our pop culture, that's what we see in relation to boys. And that's what we see more often than not being um, exhibited as a masculine form of uh, expression when our kids are struggling with connecting with themselves and others. And so we can have a masculine expression when with girls, like I actually quite identify with a lot of things that would be considered masculine. You know, I can be very young, you know, outwardly aggressive in my physicality, my sports of choice are not tennis and, um, I don't know, hopscotch. I don't know. I am really, I loved to play rugby and, you know, football, although I was never good at football. I'm fumble fingers, but I loved rugby and anything that was really like challenging for my body, really just like, let's go full on, get bruised, beat up. And, you know, smile, I'm smiling and I'm like, but I'm pointing at you and you're getting tackled, baby. (laughs) 
you're going down. So there's this friendly, but at the same time, like testing in a safe space, your, um, your ability to survive and to, um, come out triumphant, not over others, just triumphant of something, a game, an expression, a, um, an activity. So don't get me wrong. I mean, what I'm talking about with these rites of passage are, yes, male, female, but also looking to, I suppose, heal how we see the masculine and masculine and feminine and how we encourage our children, whether they are boys or girls, to grow into whoever they are going to be or whoever they, they already are, but just evolving more and more into themselves and into their own consciousness. So that said, today I'm just going to talk a little bit more about rites of passage that we would consider to be more related to our girls. And, um, like for us, I think that like for girls, you know, you'll see, uh, the emotional body as something that is a given, right? The emotional aspect of the self is a given like girls, girls are more, you know, emotional girls are more in touch with their emotions. Yet we still see this negativity around that, you know, like that women are weepy, that they're weak and that emotionality is weak and women and girls are the weaker sex, if that's your sex, like sex organs and how you were, you know, born. Um, and, and, and if that's how you identify gender in the gender of fe- the feminine gender. So, um, so when my, my girls were growing up, we had a moon circle and it was a celebration of their girlhood and growing into women. And I think that we prematurely stopped meeting, I think, at pretty pivotal, t- a p- pivotal time in most of those girls' lives. But we just were having a really hard time getting everyone together. But we did lay such a beautiful foundation for our girls um, that I will never forget. And I hope that it's imprinted in their hearts and in their souls to be around other women that were are strong and various um, strengths as well and different personalities and how we would intersect and bring our daughters to a space where we could, our daughters could connect and we as their mothers could connect and then us with different people's daughters. And one time we actually, I am a writer. I don't know if you know that, but I I'm like, I've been writing since, I don't know, I was in my early teens, but, and then I did an English uh, literature degree and I taught, or I led creative writing workshops. I've led them since I was uh, probably about, I would say about 20 years old. And um, so that's still woven into the fabric of my work. And so we did, we actually wrote a book and each of the moms, I had each of the moms write something or they were interviewing someone else's daughter and I paired them up differently so they weren't paired up with their own children and the point was to for them to get to know each other better and then they had they were to write something about each other and then they were to write about their own daughter or their own mother who was there and 
every time I look back at that book and it's just like a treasure. But the purpose was that to see for us to really like acknowledge and assert the fact that we were mentors in other girls' lives and the mother, uh, mother-daughter relationship was also honored, revered, and witnessed um, through lineage as well. So when we would get there, we would all say our lineage. And, and a couple of people had contributed to this whole structure of what we did every week or every month on the full moon. Um, but this is what we ended up putting together as sort of like a ceremony, a ceremonial um, acknowledgement and awareness of what these girls were experiencing. And so even when I talk about just health in general, the first thing I tell people is to pay attention. And, and that's literally some people have never done that. They, I would say, Kate, where does it hurt? I don't know. Well, what's the pain like? I don't know. Where do you think it's coming from? I don't know. And so from, the, from birth, <laughs> we're literally in, in many instances, and I'm talking generally speaking, I mean, of course, we all have different families, different family systems, different traditions. Some of us are more traditional than others. Some of us have carried on rites of passage and ceremony and made sure that our children are aware of their experience in the world. But as a larger culture in this Western society, the, the body has been dumbed down and silenced. Emotionality has been, you know, seen as weak, you know, and I, I shouldn't even use the word emotionality. I mean, because that's even a buzzword. Having emotions and expressing them is seen as weak or not acceptable in boys. And with girls, yeah, but it just goes to show she's just more emotional and less logical, able to think logically, which is actually literally the opposite, but that's another story. Um, so literally in our culture, we are conditioned from the get-go to not listen to our bodies, to not listen to our emotions, to think of them as something like a nuisance to be turned off so that we can get on with the speed of life with which we are taught to live. So we're supposed to take a pill and then address that ill. And we're supposed to take a pill and address that dis-ease. We're supposed to take a pill and shut off those emotions because we don't want to feel them. But when we practice rites of passage, we and in cultures that do that and families that do that within our Western culture... When we are more Eastern, um, you know, oriented, you know, into the whole aspect of what it is to be human. And that includes not only this physical body, but also the mind and the spirit and the soul and the environment and the community. When we put that all back together, our girls, and I'm just going to say girl, are all of our children, but girls in this, in this session here that we're talking about are more able to see their wholeness to see the beauty in all of it and not want to shut it off. But like I always say, and like a lot of people say and have been saying in my space as of late, lean in. So if we're feeling anxious, lean in. Why? If we're feeling um, out of sorts, why? If we're feeling what we might call depressed, why? If we're feeling angry or if we are needing something or if our bodies hurt, or how is it hurting? Why? Asking those questions rather than shutting it off, leaning into what this is teaching us and what it's leading us toward. Because 
any sort of change, any sort of healing, any sort of evolution, it takes some kind of awareness, some kind of effort, and some kind of, and it needs support. And it also needs an awareness of what that process is. And that alleviates the fear of that process happening. That empowers our girls to say, hey, I had this, I had my period, right? And I don't know what to do with this because my mom or my dad or my grandma, I did nobody talked about it. So it must be bad. It must be something we shouldn't talk about. It must be something shameful. Or we can get all kinds of connotations unless we can unpack that with our girls and we can allow them to express and to say, hey, it's my moon time right now. And for the rest of the family to understand that this is a time for regeneration and of letting go as they're regenerating. And sometimes there needs to be a little more gentleness and sometimes there needs to be a little more kindness and gift giving and allowing that person to be by themselves instead of thinking that it, you know, you're too emotional or you are grumpy because you're on your period and it's seen as like a negative thing. And so when we did these moon circles, what we were teaching our daughters by our ceremony and by our um, attempt to create a new tradition for them and for being open and honest about body health, breast health, um, you know, becoming uh, from girlhood to womanhood, celebrating that with red parties and, um, you know, making sure that we were connecting and being there for them, creating a safe net, right, for them to be able to sort of like spring forth and, and experience their lives and have joy and and being able to make sense of the things that they were going through and that they weren't alone ever. And that they, um, their, everything that they were experiencing was important. And not only important, but literally uh, glorious, joyful, boundless. So this is what we were doing. And I think that in our Western culture, as I was saying, we're more inclined to dumb those processes down rather than celebrate them. Um, but there's so much to learn in all the pockets of cultures that live within these Western cu countries. And what I think is that we must reincorporate them, not usurp them and make them ours and pretend we're this and that, but to even create our own if we don't have a tradition or re... Uh, or re um, I guess, remember or unearth or bring back to the surface all of those things in our ancestral past and that we can access now and start to do and incorporate with our children, with our grandchildren, with our communities, with the women in our communities, the men in our communities, all of us together to create new traditions, new ceremony, new reverence, to be able to shine lights onto our existence, our, yeah, our existence. And so with their girl, with our girls, you know, we're honoring their hearts as we are with our boys. Um, and then seeing that those, those hearts and the emotionality, ability to access emotions and the, and also their strength and their power in all of it. 
right? So it's not about being a different gender. It's not about being, but it's, and it's also not about trying to squeeze ourselves into what that, what our pop culture is saying about being a boy or being a girl and how boys and girls are supposed to interact and relate and how they're not supposed to and how one is weak and the other is strong and the one is yin and the other is yang. There is an element to both in, in all of us. So, but when we look at our girls um, in pop culture, our main, I guess, areas where we stray into disharmony is how girls are seen or are told to view their bodies, how they're supposed to look. And same thing actually with boys. I keep going back because boys are supposed to be big and strong. Girls are supposed to be, you know, like breasty, but tiny waist and like, you know, all of that stuff. They're supposed to be cute and pretty and, you know, filtered. And the guys are just supposed to be like, you know, the way they are, but muscly and like big and, you know, all that stuff. Like that's just just garbage. When we return to tradition, rites of passage, expression, celebration, and then we see the power of all of those budding, beautiful, evolving people, all of those human beings, we see their power and they are able to see their own power as well. So as I was talking about pseudo-masculinity in the last podcast episode, um, we have this pseudo feeling of femininity. Like I'm drawn to the feminine because I very much identify with it. But like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm very like masculine in my physicality, like the way I like to express my physicality, although I'm not very big. (laughs) I've tried to be, (laughs) I tried to like, you know, get more muscle and I'm like, ah, I got a yogi body. Okay. So that's just the way it is. I got a yogi body. I don't have a, I don't have a bodybuilder body, but I don't want to be that big, but I just wanted a little, (laughs) but I very much identify with the power of the feminine, the creative power. And, um, you know, I identify extremely strongly with the mother archetype and the mother role. And that's because I've chosen that. That's because I find joy in it, not because I'm told I'm supposed to be that. And that's what we can share with our girls is, wow, you know, like femininity is not something to reject. It is something to explore and try on and to see other powerful women in your environment, in your community, in your family that are just like, I don't know, you've got to have seen that woman at some point in your experience of life. That that sage grandma <laughs> that you everybody's just drawn to and they're like, man, you've got a lot of wisdom in there and I just want to mine it. And you, you just know that presence. And the young girls learn so much from that wise woman. And so... I want to celebrate those women and I want to, I guess, emphasize the need for us mentors in this stage of life that I'm at, the growth, um, the seeking the growth, I guess, or, you know, I guess like keep, um, what would I say? Making sure we have opportunity for growth for our daughters, 
for ourselves and for our, you know, future grandchildren, or if some of us have grandchildren already. Um, my kids actually are childbearing age now. <laughs> oh my goodness. So allowing, or sorry, um, giving the opportunity for us to grow as well from me being the mentor phase to growing into that elder and um, providing opportunity for our younger generations to have their own evolution through rites of passage. And then they find their power and the power of the feminine and the masculine as well. So, all right, I think that's all I want to say about that. And uh, I really enjoyed exploring this topic with you and hoping that it was really uh, a good unpacking. And like I said, I'm going to be releasing actually a more organized sort of um, series of videos and tools and actually ways to do this kind of thing calls to action, worksheets, things you can do with your children, um, communication, like conversation in discussion groups and such through my Patreon group. You'll find all of the information in the show notes, as well as on my websites. You'll see these things crop up in the contact us or, um, you know, upcoming webinars, seminars, and group programs. And uh, part of this stuff is actually going to be showing up in in other programs that aren't necessarily solely about rites of passage or leadership or, you know, re- rescuing or, or reclaiming our children from the pop culture trance. Um, they'll also be found in other programs. So other programs like the mental, the youth mental wellness program, which I'm going to rename. It's uh, and also it's just not the name is not exciting. <laughs> But the content is, and the community in the group there is very exciting. In the new psychology program, as well as my creative writing programs, Mountains Rise from Earthquakes, and my youth program, the Finding Your Genius writing experience. So keep your eye out, and there will be more, um, like I said, organized, sorted out, not just musings like I'm doing today, (laughs) but programs that are very exciting to dig into. So keep an ear to the ground for that and get on my newsletter list. All right, I'm out. This podcast is sponsored by the Healthy Family Formula, which essentially means that we share our information for free. For more support, community, audio coaching, full episodes, bi-monthly live Q&A, discounts on our group coaching programs, and more, become a patron of my work at www.patreon.com slash Carla Atherton. For more information about anything related to family health, do pick up my book, Family Health Revolution, and check out our newsletter, blog, individual and group coaching programs, and practitioner training program at Healthy Family Formula and CarlaAthertonInspired.com. Find us on Instagram at Coach Carla Atherton and on Clubhouse at Empowered Family. Please note that Family Health Revolution podcast is not a source for diagnosis or 
or medical treatment, but is the opinion of the host. This podcast is intended to empower people with information so they can make the best health decisions for themselves. It is up to each person to listen to their inner wisdom, consider the information they deem to be accurate and applicable to their individual situation, and consult with their trusted healthcare providers if they so choose when making any decisions regarding their own health or the health of their loved ones. Each person's health is their own responsibility.